0: It may feel like deja vu. It's the same scripture we read last week. The first half of what we read last week, anyway. Well, I think there's more for us to be found in that passage, and so I decided to continue from sort of a different angle this morning. It helps in life to have connections, doesn't it? They say it's not what you know in this world, but it's who you know. And sometimes that's true. It does pay to know somebody who can help you on your way. When I think uh, when we have certain needs around the church here, we have some people in our congregation, and we have some people who are friends of the church who are experts in various things. And so... When we need some help, I guess you could say we have some connections. When we need some financial help, we call on Barry. Barry's our expert. When we need uh, some legal help or advice, we call on Cheryl, and so on. We have different people who are good at different things, and they, I would say, we would consider our connection. That's the way things are. And it pays many times to be connected. And I dare say it's uh, that these connections that we have within this congregation have saved this church uh, quite a sizable amount of money down through the years. Well, about 30 years ago, there was a wonderful book. I'm sure most of you have heard of it. It was turned into a very powerful movie. It was called Schindler's List. You all remember that one? It's interesting how that book was first published. A shopkeeper named Leopold Page was a survivor of the Holocaust. And he survived because of one man, a man named Oscar Schindler, who was a Roman Catholic. Look at, look at Bill's smile. I, I could see it right through your mask, Bill. He was a Roman Catholic, and he saved Page's life and he also saved the lives of 1,200 of his fellow Jews. Page decided to find a writer who would tell the story of Oscar Schindler. And it was a pretty monumental task. He wasn't sure where to start. But one day, a novelist by the name of Thomas Keneally happened to walk into his shop, and he wanted to buy a briefcase. And Page thought, what a good opportunity. I think I'll ask him. Well, Keneally, after hearing Schindler's story, was interested, and he agreed to, to write a book about him. The book is an amazing story of a man who helped hundreds of Jews who would have certainly been killed at the hands of the Nazis. The book was dedicated to Oscar Schindler, And to Page's, I quote from the dedication, zeal and persistence, end quote, in getting Schindler's story told. He thought it was important that the world hear this story. And I think he was right. But that's not the end of the story. The book did well. But Page, the shopkeeper, had some friends who had some friends who had some friends, some distant connections. And somehow he was able to get his book, this book to a director named Steven Spielberg. You might have heard of him. Spielberg had just finished Jurassic Park and Paige got an appointment to meet with him. And the first thing he said to him was, Mr. Spielberg, stop playing around with dinosaurs. I promise you, you'll get an Oscar if you will tell... Oscar Schindler's story. And he did. And he turned Schindler's list into a major motion picture. The book and the movie, which won 7 Oscars, including best picture, fulfilled Page's lifelong wish and his dream. He said, "I did not know I would do how I would do this, but I promised Oscar Schindler that I would make him A household name and that people would know the good that he had done for others and he did leopold paul page was number 173 by the way on schindler's list of the 1200 people that were saved from the nazis thanks to him leopold page was a shopkeeper he was not a writer but his commitment to his friend led him to connect with people people who could tell Schindler's story. It's important in life to have connections. If you don't have connections, then it's important sometimes to make connections, look for them, find them, and that's how it is. And so today, I wanna ask us, you and me, an important question. How connected are you? How connected Am I? When I ask that question, some of you might take, think in terms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn for professional connections. This is an amazing time we live in. We can do things on the internet that just are, I, I guess we could say, connection has taken on a whole new meaning. This week I was standing in line at Target and I I heard a a teenage boy say, Mom, using your computer is like living back in the twentieth century. For me that was kind of a reality check. You know <laughs> This is the twenty first century and and I am one of those old people that <laughs> grew up in the twentieth century. So It was uh, interesting. There were a group of kids who were in school, young kids, sitting in a circle with their teacher. And she was going around asking questions. And the questions were about animals and animal sounds. She said, Davey, what noise does a cow make? Davey said, it goes moo. Alice said, or she said to Alice, what noise does a cat make? Cat goes meow. Jamie says, "What does a lamb? sound like? It goes bah. And then she said, Jennifer, what sound does a mouse make? And she said, oh, that's easy. It goes click. (laughs) Well, a computer mouse does go click. The question, are you connected, means different things to different people. I think there's a danger with electronic connection, and I'm very concerned about it. As time goes on, we are learning that technology is our friend, but it can also be our enemy. Technology is, I think, in some ways, actually disconnecting people. We are spending more time on the internet than ever before. Of course, with COVID, that, that would make sense. But, we're spent, but this was before COVID. We were still our time was increasing more and more on the internet and less time with family and with friends. People were attending fewer social events. They were talking less and less to one another in person, conversing, and by telephone. And I think that's disturbing. We need to be careful. Being connected to family Being connected to friends is what gives life meaning. Many people have a swarm of friends, lots of friends on Facebook. I don't have many compared to some, but I do. I have over 300 friends on Facebook. I think I'm approaching 350. Well, friending is not the same as befriending, and that is being a friend instead of creating a global village like we envisioned when all this started, I think instead the internet has somehow distanced us from one another. One impact is that lonely people have no one to turn to in hard times. This was even before COVID. Everybody's on their computers and on their telephones. We can't blame all of our isolation on the internet. The average American today, even before COVID, already had only one-third as many friends as 25 years ago. One-fourth said they had no close friends at all. This was back in 19, or 2019. See, I'm getting my centuries mixed up. We are becoming a disconnected society and it concerns me greatly. This is troubling because staying connected is important to our health. We talked last week about how we need friends. It affects our health when we don't have friends. When we don't have connections, it affects our health and well-being. Some medical studies are showing that this is true. One study compared 12,000 Japanese men who were living in Japan with the Japanese men who were living who had moved to Hawaii or California and so lived in the United States. The researchers looked at things like smoking and uh, diet, exercise, cholesterol intake, all that stuff. And then they looked at these factors: maintaining family and community ties. The group with the least ties, which was the California group, had three to five more times, times more heart disease. After extensive research, it was concluded that community and family ties actually help protect us against disease and against early death. Stay connected to other people, research shows. You'll be healthier. It's good for you. I still maintain that that's why we have so many people who live to be 100 in this congregation because we have lots of good friends. But the effects of isolation aren't just medical. Social isolation, we see this because COVID has made it very real to us. But these, the things I'm talking about right now were discovered before COVID ever hit. But social isolation is partly responsible for the fact that suicides before and now, during the pandemic, have just skyrocketed at a very dramatic rate. People are socially isolated. They're distanced, they're disconnected because they've had to be for the last year and a half, year, year and a half. We've had to be. But even before that, it was happening. And what happens when people are so disconnected and they're on their computer and they're on their phone and they're not interacting with others. They're not able to come to church. They're not able to to go to the restaurant and have a meal with their friends. They're not able to uh, do whatever it is you like to do together. And socialize is that you get depressed. And I see this, and I've talked to people in the last year. It's been so very depressing. But I've talked to so many people who have just lost hope. Because they've been alone and isolated and disconnected for so long. In his book, Real Age, author Michael Rosen calculates how different factors affect our life expectancy. And for socialization, he names three factors. Number one, having a life partner. Number two, seeing at least six friends at least a couple times a month. And number three, participating in social groups like clubs, like church. The real age for a 55-year-old man who meets all three of those criteria, has at least six friends, has a, has a partner or a very close friend, and goes to church or other social interactions, his real age is 46, nine years younger than he actually is and you thought being married made you older. (laughs) Not so. Makes you younger. If the 55-year-old man meets at least two of these factors, then his real age is 49. And if he meets just one, his real age is 53. Here's the one that really wakes you up. The real age of a 55-year-old man who doesn't meet any of these criteria, and many of us... Have, met, have not met any of this criteria during at least several months of the last year. His real age is 63, eight years older than he really is. It has a real effect on our health. For a woman, the real ages that I just named are a little bit different, 49, 53, 59, and 61. And the researchers think that, that is, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit stronger for men, because women in our culture are just better at networking. And they, many of them have found ways to communicate and to stay in touch with people that are cl- they're close to. And I think that's probably true. And then there's more. When a life partner dies, the survivor Risks illness immensely the first year after that death. Retirement also changes social contacts, and it can be stressful depending on how much time and and, and how close you are to your coworkers. The point is that it's very important at any age and at any stage in life to stay connected to people. And our most important connection is... To Jesus. In our gospel lesson, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then hear this, apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Let's talk about that. Here's where staying connected is critical. I think that as followers of Christ, we have two things to focus on. Number one, staying connected to our neighbors. And number two, staying connected to God. Without either of these, we are not going to be a whole happy person, living the sort of life that we are able to live. In his book, A Blue Fire... Psychologist James Hillman describes a condition in primitive people with anth- which anthropologists call loss of soul. In this condition, a person isn't able to make an outer connection to other humans or an inner connection to him or herself, and so he or she is not able to take part in society, in any of its traditions, or any of the fun stuff. They're dead to him or her. And until he or she regains his or her soul, they're not really whole, true humans. Hillman tells about an experience that he had one day in Burgholsey, in Zurich, where words like schizophrenia and complex were born. Hillman watched a woman who was being interviewed. She sat in a wheelchair because she was elderly and she was feeble. And she said, I'm not just Sick. I'm not just old. I'm dead. She said, I've lost my heart. The psychiatrist interviewing her said, Place your hand on your chest and feel your heart beat. You must still be there if you can feel it. She said, That's not my real heart. Psychologists had no answer. There was nothing more to say, Hillman wrote. Like the primitive who has lost his soul, she had lost the loving, courageous connection to life. It was gone. We lose our heart, we lose our soul, when we lose our connection to God. What good is it, Jesus said, for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? We know the answer to that. Lose your connection to God, and nothing else you accomplish will have any real meaning. Lose your connection to God, and you lose the meaning of life. Back during the days of the Cold War, a woman named Svetlana Stalin, who was the daughter of the cruel Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, she shocked the world by immigrating to the United States for a new life. When they asked her why, she explained it this way. She said, I found it was impossible to exist without God in your heart. Ms. Stalin was right. It is impossible to exist as a full, healthy, happy human being without God in your heart. How connected are we to Jesus? Let's remember that if we lose our connection to God, it won't be God's doing. It'll be ours. God's love for us is everlasting and unconditional, and God is always there, waiting, even when you aren't connected to him. A teacher once told a story about a little piece of wood that he kept on his desk. He explained that he took this little piece of wood when he was in a vineyard in the San Joaquin Valley. Small piece of wood was a section of a grapevine that a branch grew out of. The owner of the vineyard told him that if two people were to have a tug of war with this piece of vine, it would snap. But it would never, ever break where the vine and the branch join together. The place on the grapevine where the vine and the branch join together is the vine's strongest point. Did you know that? Now, if you pull on a branch that goes into a tree, it'll always break at the trunk of the tree. But in a grapevine, that's not the case. Where that vine and that branch join is the strongest point. No wonder Jesus used that terminology and said, I am the branch. I'm sorry, I am the vine. You are the branches to explain his relationship to us. The strongest place on a grapevine is where the branches are attached to the vine. So in other words, you don't need, we don't need to worry that our connection to Christ will be broken, at least not from his end. That connection's a powerful one, and he'll never let go. Max Licato tells about a friend of his named Steve who worked at a pharmacy while he was attending college. Steve's job was to deliver supplies. One of his customers was an older woman who lived alone in a little apartment that was just about 50 feet behind the pharmacy. And Steve would deliver a jug of water to this lady two or three times a week, take the money, chat with the woman a little bit, and leave. And over time, Steve became kind of puzzled. He found out that the woman had no other source of water. She wasn't using the city water. She didn't have it turned on. She relied on his delivery for all of her water needs, for washing, bathing, and drinking. She could have had the city water. It would have been cheaper, and it would have been plentiful. Why didn't she choose the city water? Well, you might have guessed the answer. The city only sent water. The pharmacy sent the water and Steve. They sent a person. His visits were the reason that she was willing to pay more and have less because there was that connection. Are there people in our community, do you think, that are that lonely? I think there are. There are children. There are teenagers, there are adults, there are seniors who are just that lonely. They have become disconnected, especially this past year. Isn't it interesting that when God wanted to show us just how much he loves us, he chose to send a person He sent his own son. And and Jesus is saying to us today, if you want to find life, if you want a full, fulfilled, happy life, be connected with me, the vine. I will never leave you or forsake you. Where you and I are connected is the strongest place on the vine. I will always, always be there. And so this morning, on this Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day to all you moms, by the way, let's ask ourselves this question. How connected am I? Amen.